Welcome to the Student-Centered Science Teacher Podcast, hosted by me, Lisa Carosis. You might also know me as the author of some resources on Teachers Pay Teachers with a store called Lab in Every Lesson, because that is truly what I try to do, reinvent every lesson so that students have the opportunity to exercise the scientific method skills of observation and analysis um, so that they get you know, a full science experience, not just science content. So first, a quick shout out to those of you who might be listening who are my TPT followers. I launched my store in July 2020, and I really put the gas on hard, or so I thought, because I knew the upcoming school year was going to be totally wackadoo, and that teachers would need resources that worked online and in the classroom because so many of us were teaching like hybrid and totally online and totally in the classroom it needed to be flexible and I know I have that answer so I started my store and I posted a whole bunch of stuff and you guys have liked it (laughs) you have followed it and I feel like a little child sometimes when I log into my account and I see an extra follower you know I am I don't do social media so I don't already have that experience from Facebook and YouTube and I don't know I I don't live for likes you know but you guys truly have as this is a side hustle and I am a full-time teacher and I had my children home full-time this year doing learning you know sticking with this has been a challenge but your vote of confidence has you know kept me plugged in and I so appreciate you for that In fact, that is part of the reason why I'm talking to you today. I was, you know, I had this idea a while ago, maybe I'll start a podcast, but it seemed like such a cliche thing because like 2020 is the year for the podcast. And do I really want to jump on the train? Eh, you know. But right now, I mean, this is, I am talking to you on June 1st, 2021. And this is the time of year where like I hit my stride. When school is out, school is about to be out for me. It's not quite out for about two more weeks. But it is about to be out. And honestly, starting in April, even before I did my TPT store, I every year launch into best practice research. What am I going to do different? How is this going to look? How can I reorganize? You know, I'm really in my thinking mode there, my inventive, my creative comes out when I'm wrapping up the social emotional part of working with other people and other students and so in building this business I am like tremendously excited this time of year because I have a full curriculum of lessons to share with you haven't posted them to TPT yet because I like them to be totally pristine and conclude lots of notes and I like you to feel like you've got your money's worth when you purchase a product from me So I have all of that to upload. Um, I have promised support in the form of blog articles that never got written this year. And so I have that to do as well. This year, also every year, brings something new for me in my practice. And this year I had intense training on text-dependent analysis and reading in content areas, which has been very enlightening for me. And I'd like to bring you a freebie, um, a new freebie product in, in that way. So I'm working on that. And so I just feel a little bit like I'm going to burst <laughs> with all of this stuff that I have to create and put out there for you. And I just, I want you to know about it. I want to talk to you about it. I want to 
keep you plugged in and interested so that you get to see all those cool things. And so that's really the fundamental reason for the podcast. I want us to connect. I want to learn who's following me. I want to learn about what you do and how you do it and how you can enlighten me, not just how I can enlighten you. If you haven't, I would encourage you to definitely go to my website, www.labineverylesson.com and sign up for my email list. It is at the very bottom of the website webpage. All you have to give me is your name and your email. And that way, every time I post something new or I have, you know, I, it won't be a salesy email, I promise. Every time I can offer you something useful, I will. And uh, so that would be helpful. But also you can stay plugged in here to this podcast because I'll give you all the necessary updates you might need uh, for merchandise and things like that. My plans for this podcast, though, in thinking about, you know, what would be really valuable, what would have been really valuable for me is to go back to where I began in this process of transforming my classroom and do a little like book club, do a little like group review of a text called Visible Learning for Science. Now, Visible Learning is a pedagogy, a taxonomy, all its own. And the authors have adapted it for science, for social studies, for math, for reading and writing, every content area. And so perhaps if you've already read it, you don't need to read the science book again. The Amazon reviews suggest that they are one and the same. But regardless, I feel that this is my career Bible because I actually tell people that it spoke to me. <laughs> I cannot tell you that I do everything they suggest. I do not think I even probably follow their specific taxonomy of surface and deep and transfer learning and all of that. But some things were just, I had so many aha moments from this book. And I took it and applied it in my classroom. And I just am so thankful that I did. So really what I'd like to do and what I think would be a great start to our community. If you've not signed up for the community, please sign up for community. It's community.labineverylesson.com. Totally free. Actually costs me money to bring it to you because I don't do Facebook. You will likely never find me on Twitter or Instagram. I mean, I can't promise these things because they're good online marketing tools, but I'm I really don't want to be on them. I found another platform called Mighty Networks and I have my own community there and it looks and feels just like Facebook. You can share images, you can share posts and articles and things you find on the web and we really can have a unique and different and detailed conversation about things. It can be a place that you come to vent or celebrate um, or learn you know, and where we will all learn. And that's what I kind of hope for this, that you'll respond. I'll post the podcast in the community also. You can sign up for notifications or no notifications so you can like be really plugged into what we're doing. Um, yeah, my vision for the community is just because I sorely need, <laughs> not needed, I sorely need a group of science teaching professionals to exchange my ideas with. Um, because I feel like that's a component of my career and my life that's sort of missing. I don't have that in my current job. I don't feel 
uh, not in not in a really open-minded kind of way. And so I hope, it, I mean, if you're out there and you want it to, it's there for you. And I'll just leave it that. But what I would like to do with Visible Learning for Science, and so let me give you the full reference. The name is Visible Learning for Science. What works best to optimize student learning? And this is a grades K through 12 approach. The authors are John Alamarod, Douglas Fisher, Nancy Frey, and John Hattie. I mean, we had such amazing, amazing um, aha moments from this book. You know, one of which I'll share with you now is that the approach suggests, requires, I don't know, expects, puts out this notion that learning should be visible to both the teacher and the students. I mean, that's sort of a philosophical notion, right? (laughs) Yeah, as teachers, we're supposed to be able to see them learning. We're supposed to be able to know if they're learning. We're constantly assessing if they're learning. But guess what? They should know they're learning too. This idea that we're able to accomplish it by seeing learning through the eyes of the learners and learners seeing themselves as their own teachers. I mean... I don't think I have a sound effect for mind-blowing. My children call it um, head explosion, <laughs> but that's pretty much what I feel about that. And truly, truly has transformed my uh, approach. So what I would like to do, you know, is is start there with the, with the podcast. I would encourage you to buy the book. I receive no financial kickback at all for your purchase of the book on Amazon or otherwise. So this is totally a, you know, I think it costs, I want to say in the 20s, maybe in the 20s. And I have the paperback version, which is completely highlighted up and it sits in my top drawer of my desk when I work. Okay, but for today, I want to just end because you're probably getting tired of listening to me now. (laughs) I want to end just sharing you a little about me. Why should you care? Who am I? And why am I doing this? Why am I leading this? I've actually, re- I've actually recorded this already and then decided I probably would have put you to sleep with the long version. So if you're interested in the really long version, you can go to my website and read about me. There's a little video there also. Uh, but very quickly, I have a bachelor and a master's degree in chemistry. From Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute is the bachelor's and my master's is from Penn State. And then I also have a master's in curriculum and instruction from Drexel University. And I did obtain that online after I obtained that. Um, you know, I, I really feel, I mean, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version here, but I really feel it's important to who I am, <laughs> to the integrity of who I am, for you to understand that I did not come to teaching because it's always been in my heart to be a teacher. And I like found my way. That is not at all how I came to teaching. I'm a second career teacher as evidenced by the fact that I have a master's in chemistry. People don't usually go that route. I obtained my master's at Penn State. I met my husband, now husband, at the time, like six months, the six-month period of time where I was transitioning between, you know, being there and finishing up my thesis and moving on to something else, which was completely unknown. And, 
you know, all that ensues <laughs> with relationships, I didn't want to leave him. I never really loved the area. Now with a, with a small family, there is a tremendous sense of gratitude and, um, well, gratitude for the safety of the community and the, the rural aspect of it. But at the time, I really hated it. However, my husband was living the dream. He now works as the general manager of the Bryce Jordan Center on Penn State campus. That is our, it's a multifunctional facility. There is a college basketball that's played there and all kinds of sporting events as well as uh, concerts. And, and that is his, that was his dream. And he worked up, I mean, literally brick by brick in this building when it was being built as a stagehand as an intern he was not paid and now he is the highest paid you know and I kind of fell in love with him and did not want him to leave that as much as I wanted to leave the town so I did find a job here in town and it wasn't in my area of interest for chemistry. It was the only company I could work in as a chemist. And it was kind of a toxic work environment also. So I don't think I was there a whole year. In fact, I know there was an incident that happened in the first six months that I would have like just run out the door if I could, if I didn't have bills to pay, but I did. So probably two years in, I decided, well, I had been doing some trainings for the company. Um, International, you know, not far international. I went to Canada. Um, but also across the country, teaching technicians, mostly with high school degrees, about how chromatography worked. And my colleagues praised me for the way I delivered presentations. I really enjoyed doing it. Um, you know, I was looking for flexibility in the community and my career for the long term. I enjoyed traveling and teaching. So I picked up some side gigs. I did an adjunct for a year at a Penn State satellite campus in Dubois, Pennsylvania. And I did another one too, and I don't remember. I'm having a blank right now. Anyway, I tested the waters, and I did. I really enjoyed teaching very much. But I didn't come to teaching because I was like, oh, you know, one thing I learned since being in teaching is I feel like I'm surrounded by colleagues who love students. They just love students. And I didn't. I, it was purely intellectual for me. <laughs> I liked chemistry. It makes sense to me. There's a reason for everything. And I can articulate it. And... I, I was good in a position of leadership to lead a classroom. I like the social connection, the human connection of things rather than being a lab rat. Um, and so it worked. That's really how I got here. It was probably four. Well, I left that company and did my three-month co-op teaching here in Pennsylvania. And... Then I was jobless for about four or five months. I did some substitute teaching where I came home crying every day because that was horrible. And then I got the call. It was like on my birthday. Oh, I got my teaching certificate in the mail on my birthday. And I had been sort of really stalking this company who was hiring for a science teacher. It was an online teaching job. And, and they needed my certificate. My certificate came in the mail on my birthday and they basically hired me that week. It was temporary, but I eventually was hired full-time. 
and it took me a year or two to teach chem there because of availability and student enrollment but um yeah so right now i want you to know that i am an online teacher i have been an online teacher and perhaps you now know the challenge of online teaching thanks to 2020 it is exhausting and challenging but truly i am thankful for the experience because i feel like it is one of certainly not the but one of the most difficult environments in which to teach for obvious reasons uh you know first and foremost you lose all sense of of being able to react to and respond to body language attentiveness um all all of that. Now, I don't have to deal with classroom management hardly at all. It's like minuscule. You know, the one environment I cannot imagine myself lasting as a teacher is in a very inner city uh, school district where, you know, there's metal detectors and security at the front door and in, in every hallway. I have never experienced that. I did I do hail from a very small rural town in northeast Pennsylvania called Vandling. Went to a high school called Forest City. And I was probably one of 10, 20 students out of 50, I mean 50 graduated in my school. We didn't have a football team. 20 of us went to college. You know, so I just don't have that. I didn't live it and I don't know if I could do it. But this has, has been challenging in its own right in that with a private industry mindset and a private industry career goal, I really was focused on and intending to work a job that aligned with goals that I could clearly see to achieve and check mark them. Maybe get a raise at the year or a bonus based on how well I checked mark them. And here I am in public service where you never get reward for anything. <laughs> In an environment that is completely human-based and measuring your effectiveness and reaching goals is like an impossible task. Let's just be honest. And nobody likes the standardized testing. It's the closest we've gotten to measuring what we're able to do. And so it has been a real trek for me. Um, Hopefully you guys who are not online teachers if you're listening, are back to your classrooms, your more familiar places where you've come up and learned how to do what you do. Um, but, you know, don't hate on me. I know the politics and the government, at least in Pennsylvania, are down on the online learning community. And I have to tell you from my experience that I do not do, uh, agree with all of our school's policies and procedures. However, there is absolutely a need for our school and others like it. And maybe I'll talk about that in other podcasts, but I firmly do believe that. And I am thankful that I'm able to serve that hole for them. You know, that's the other thing I mentioned. <laughs> Even It's always a catch-22 for me. For me, I don't know that I'm unlike anybody else, but the grass is always greener somewhere else. And when I was in private industry, I was bemoaning the fact that I was not making a difference in the world. I was having my quarter-life crisis and... Uh, it was bad scene. And now <laughs> I have a huge difference in so many worlds. And uh, at times I just want to pull my hair out. But that's how it is when you work with any human being, right? Anyway, to make this come full circle, 
you know, this conversation that I'm having with myself right now. This year, actually every year, my principal collects feedback from students in Teacher Appreciation Week. And I've posted them on my website, but I want to share a few of them here because they were particularly impactful. This says, I love chem because Mrs. Krosis makes it interesting. It makes me want to come to class every day. Uh, I want to say how much I appreciate the effort you've put in this year. Actually, just this last week, I shared a, a review packet with my students, a digital review packet. And two students were vocal the next day about having looked through that packet. It's amazing. Another student said, yeah, she really goes above and beyond. And I have to say, it's the first time in my 11 years that I've had students not only recognize the effort, but remark on it. I mean, I am painfully aware of how people tend to focus on the negative. You know, you're you're much more inclined to complain to a company, to a waitress, to a store associate than you are to praise them. We just are. It's how it goes. And I wish it wasn't that way, but it is. And for now a teenager to make that move, I just feel so amazingly humbled by that. But I truly believe it's a consequence of the approach. Um, Let me see some other things I wanted to share with you. You've challenged me. You've really challenged my mind in ways I didn't think I could understand. I'm not a very vocal social person, but being in your class made it easy for me to be comfortable in myself. I love how communicative you are with me and all the students. Thank you for making class so enjoyable with interesting activities. She is fantastic at helping people understand difficult concepts, incredibly fast at responding genuinely making science fun. So I'm not sharing that to brag on you. In fact, on myself, I'm in fact going to suggest the opposite. When I read those comments, I absolutely 0% believe that there is anything special about me, Lisa, the person that produces that. I believe that any teacher who would use the lessons I've planned would have the same outcome. Because I firmly, in my heart of hearts, believe that if the lesson is the lesson is strategically planned with that as an outcome, that the goal will be accomplished. And I am going to, I mentioned to you at the beginning of our the beginning, if you're still listening, at the beginning of this recording, that uh, I have all these things plan to share with you. One of them is a free course called Adopting a Student-Centered Approach to Lesson Planning and Delivery. And I'm offering this uh, to everyone for free because it's really just a reflection. I am so big on reflection. I probably do it to a fault. But it's what I had to go through to come up with this method that I have. And perhaps you will create your own new method from going through the reflection. I have this cogwheel graphic you know, that describes where lesson planning is at the center, you know, and you get your engagement and you get your understanding and you get your teamwork and you get everything from the lesson planning. And so, and this is what I firmly believe, you know, I have colleagues who 
to believe the exact opposite, that what you have to do is nurture the relationship. You have to love on them. And I just feel that the love comes through what you are asking them to do. And that when you ask them to do and you are in a position to support them, it is sort of like, you know, in the in the private sector, it is a servant leadership mentality. And I swear to you, the kids feel it. They feel it. And and maybe love isn't the word they would use. And maybe your whole time with them is very geeked out and you're you're all into the science, but they feel attention and they feel care. And you have time to work individually, which matters like to my group, which is an at-risk group, which I will talk about another day. Um, They need that perhaps more than anything, you know, and the, the idea that you're constantly sharing with them that this is worth something more, that the skills they're taking from each and every lesson that they don't realize is that they're going to be able to function in society in a clearer and more focused way um I don't know I just think it's lasting so I hope you'll join me for that I don't know when that will get posted I'm hoping for I don't know like two weeks from now we'll see but that's going to be posted in the community as well so you're going to see things in the community that pop up like that that are freebies I I also have planned if you have any of my book widget lessons and worksheets a book widget basics course which I feel is like a responsibility that I provide to you totally free if eventually I will create a book widget advanced course where I'll take you through creation of an entire book widgets lesson but uh, for now I've kept you long enough I'm gonna sign off I hope you will grab that book visible learning for science what works best to optimize student learning and meet me back here in a week I look forward to seeing you and hearing your comments in the community. Have a great day, guys.